Some of you know that uh, I have family still in North Carolina. I'm originally from North Carolina, and a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go up and to spend a few days with my mom and connect with my brother a little bit. And uh, we kind of, I don't know if we had an early Thanksgiving, but we were certainly thankful for being there. And um, we, I had to take her a few places. I don't know, some of you gotten to this stage in life where every week you have a doctor's appointment. Well, every week she has a doctor's appointment somewhere. And so I would take her to these doctor's appointment or to the doctor's appointment and We'd stop, we'd go out to eat lunch and eat dinner and some things like that to keep them having to mess up anything in the house, make life as easy as we could. And everywhere we went, there were people that she knew that I didn't because that's where she lives and I've been gone for a long, long time. And so she would introduce me and she would introduce me by saying, this is my son, Jimmy, he is in the ministry or this is my son, Jimmy, he's a minister. And I think she kind of liked doing that. I don't know if it made her feel like a better mom. Here, I've got a son now who's a pastor, a son in the ministry. And so it looked good, but that's, that she introduced me wherever, wherever she went. That's how she introduced me, and, and that's fine. But sometimes we get the wrong idea of what it means to be a minister or what it means to be in ministry. And what I'd like to share with you this morning, the reality that I want you to embrace is that you don't have to go to seminary to be a minister. You don't have to be ordained by a church to be a minister because Jesus has set you apart for that very purpose. You see, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been a believer, you are, in fact, a minister. You are, in fact, in ministry. And you go, well, how does that work? Well, it works because of this, because of what ministry is. Ministry is is simply this, serving others in Jesus' name. That doesn't sound so hard, does it? It doesn't sound mysterious. There's no ordination that has to come with this. No, no you, know, you have to wear special robes or you have to, to go to seminary for this. No, when you are serving others in Jesus' name, then you are doing ministry. No seminary degree. None of that's required. Really what's required is having a a servant's heart and following following the call of Jesus. You see, we have, we've been saved in order to serve. Now, I want you to hear me correctly. I didn't say that we are saved by serving. That's a hugely different thing. Saved by serving means that we can do enough good works that that God would then let us into heaven. But that's not how it works. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not something you do yourself. It is the gift of God. And so here's our, we're, we're saved, but we're saved for a purpose in order to serve. Now, where do we get that idea? Where, where does that concept come from? Well, the good news is it comes from the Bible. Let me give you a, a specific example Jesus, now this is just hours before Jesus will be uh, betrayed, denied, arrested, beaten, crucified, and and buried in the hopes that that was it. (laughs) We don't have to deal with this guy anymore. Just hours before this, Jesus gathered with the 12 disciples in an upper room to share with them a final meal and prepare them for what would come. Now, in the midst of this, let me just give you a little bit of a snapshot, a little little picture of what's taking place. 
They've got this. They've got everything set out. All, everything has been prepared. Jesus sent, them, sent the disciples ahead to prepare for this. Everything had been prepared except for one thing. There was one thing that was missing. Whenever there was a gathering like this, by tradition and by practicality, there would typically be a servant there who would take the sandals off the feet of those who had attended and would wash their feet. Now, it's tradition, obviously, but it's also very practical because you're sitting in a chair, and I would imagine that most of you who had a Thanksgiving meal, sat around a table, you sat in a chair, or maybe you, you gathered around a TV to watch a football game, but you sat in a chair. They ate reclining, which would mean there, there would be people's feet at the same level as people's heads. And so you see there's a practical element of this, but there was no one there to, to serve. So let me give you just a little bit of view, just a few verses here in John chapter 13 that help us to see what took place. It says that Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then he says... For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Now here's some some things that we want to grab out of this. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus washed the very feet of the one who would deny him three times. Jesus washed Peter's feet. Jesus washed the feet of the one who would betray him with a kiss. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Even more, Jesus washed the feet of common men, just ordinary people, sometimes with all their faults and failures and sometimes miserable failures, Jesus washed the feet of common men even though he was God in the flesh. And Jesus humbly served those who did not deserve it. And in doing so, set an example for all those who would follow in his footsteps. You know what? It's easy to serve someone we feel like deserves it. If you invite a special guest to your home, I don't know, maybe it's a dignitary, maybe, maybe a senator or a congressman decides, well, maybe I, considering what politics is, let's strike them off. Okay, no. Uh, but you've invited someone who's special to your home. You usually go the extra mile, right? You get out the, the good dishes. You, you make sure these aren't the ones that are chipped and dinged and dented. And you, and you prepare the best meal. And you make sure you clean the house. Or you even hire somebody to come in and clean the house for you. And you try to make sure it's just as perfect, just as good as you can possibly make it. Because we will serve those that we feel deserve it, who've earned it who have honor, but Jesus served those who didn't deserve it. It was not going to be very long before these very same disciples with whom he ate would run off, would leave. These are the ones who, though Jesus had invested so much in them, did not yet get it. They seemed to be dense and self-centered, self-focused, and yet Jesus served them. What he does in this 
is he turns the world upside down, or maybe I should say right side up. He helps us to see things in a different way. And what we need as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, what we need is a complete reordering of our priorities and a reordering of our world. And that's what Jesus does. And that's why a lot of people don't want anything to do with Jesus. It's not because they don't want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven, right? It's they don't want Jesus coming and messing up their lives. They've got their priorities. They've got their, the, the things that they want to do. They've got the, the directions they want to go. They, they figured it all out. And then Jesus comes in and he begins to teach and to lead in ways that become very disruptive. And he calls us to love people who are quite unlovable. And he calls us to serve people who really don't deserve it. And yet, he set an example for us to follow. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone's going to come after me, if anyone wants to get in line behind me, if anyone wants to come with me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is indeed a radical reorientation of life. We voluntarily remove ourselves from the center of the universe, and we allow Jesus to take the lead, and we allow Jesus to replace our priorities with his priorities. This is what it means for Jesus to be Lord of your life. That he now has full control. The, what the, the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus take the wheel. We ought to say, Jesus take the wheel while I get in the back seat. Wait a minute, I may be a back seat driver. Maybe I just need to ride in the trunk. Because you know my life far better than I. You know the, the, the end and the beginning. You know it all. So why do I feel like I've got to grip this wheel so tightly? Why do I feel like I have to be in control and I have to set my agenda and I have to set my pace? This is a radical reorientation. We step aside from the center of our lives. We no longer proclaim ourselves as the Lord of our own lives. We say, Jesus, you are Lord, and where you lead, I will follow. What you call me to do, I will do. What you tell me to say, I will say. The reality is that following Jesus inevitably leads to humble service. You can't avoid it. If you're going to follow where Jesus leads, then you will be led to humbly serve others. The Apostle Paul, he didn't have to figure this out, but he tried to help us to realize what this Christ-centered and other-centered reorientation was like. In Galatians chapter 5, he writes, For you were called to freedom. In other words, in your salvation, you've been set free. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself and then in philippians chapter 2 he writes do nothing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests you're pretty good at doing that but also to the interests of others have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by become obedi becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If we're going to follow Jesus, then it will require us. There, this is not an optional thing. You know, we can, we can pick this or this. If we're going to follow Jesus, it will mean humble service because we were made for ministry. We were shaped to serve. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God has already, God's got this plan. He's got this agenda for your life. And we were made to follow his agenda, not our own agenda. Now, the disciples hung around Jesus for a long time, about three years. Many of them followed him very, very closely. They left everything that they knew, everything that was familiar in order to, to hang around with him for about three years just to follow him, to, to go where he went, to, to see what he did, and, and, and just to, to be like him. That's what they wanted, to be like him. And you would think that after three years, you would get it. I mean, it's not like training cats. I was going to say training dogs, but you can actually train dogs. It's not like training cats. In three years, you'd think here, somewhat intelligent men should be able to, to get it, should be able to grasp it, should be able to understand that following Jesus meant getting off my own agenda. It meant going where Jesus went and, and doing what Jesus called me to do and to doing so even if it meant humbling myself and serving others. But they didn't always get it. And so here in just a moment, well, let's, let's do it right now. You, Matthew chapter 20. If you've got your Bibles, I'll encourage you to look there. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 17 to 28. And I want us to see some things here because I think this is important if we want to understand what it means for us uh, to be made in order to serve, to be made in order to minister to others. Matthew chapter 20. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, scripture a couple things uh, we've got it in your handout it'll be up on the screen but if you want to look it up Matthew is in the New Testament and it is the first of the four gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John will be in the 20th chapter we're going to begin reading with the 17th verse and it says this and as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem he took the 12 disciples aside in other words a heart to heart a one one-on-one -on -one. some things I need to share with you individually he took the disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over, the, over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Now, this is a pretty serious thing that Jesus is sharing, right? I mean, of all the things that Jesus talked about, here we have him pulling the disciples aside and saying, hey, listen, you need to hear this. I, I'm telling you what's going to happen. This is where we're going, and this is what's going to happen when we get there. So you need to prepare yourselves. You need to, you need to get ready 
because I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to be crucified and buried. And then he gave him some hope. He says, listen, but on the third day, I'll be resurrected. And you would think that having heard this, the disciples would be bubbling up with questions about that. Now, now, wait, now Jesus, hang on. Explain this. Are you saying this is going to happen to you? Explain this. So what's going to happen? Tell us the details. Give us all this. And you're going to rise on the third day? What an incredible thing. Jesus, tell us more. That's not what happens. Look, look here. Verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that is James and John, came up with, to her with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked for something. And he said to her, what do you want? This is, you, you ever get somebody come up to you and go, hey, listen, could you do me a favor? Right? That's kind of what she's doing. Hey, Jesus, could you do me a favor? And he says, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in the kingdom. In other words, at the places of honor. And Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is, is not, excuse me, not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers because they were trying to get to the head of the line. You know, when you're, when it, when things come down to one lane, you're out on the interstate and it comes down to one lane. You know how you feel when that one person zooms by to try to squeeze in right at the front, right? Okay. It, does that make anybody mad other than me? Okay. That's, <laughs> Sometimes I just wish I had an old truck. Just, not, not really. No, no. Can we, can we delete that from the CD? Okay. So they, they, were, they were angry about that. But Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What an incredible thing. It is not to be so among you. With you, Jesus said, it's supposed to be different. Distinctly different. Noticeably different. Your whole definition of what it means to be great should be different. Your whole attitude of what it means to serve others, to humbly serve those, even those who don't deserve it, it should be different. The world, the world, listen, they give medals, they give trophies, they give certificates, they give all these ways to give honor to those who do great things, great things. But Jesus says, your heart shouldn't pursue those things. 
You should not be looking for the applause of people. That should not drive you into giving and serving and living. That is, that's not what you're here for. It was, do you remember when Jesus would do these great things and the crowds would start to gather, oftentimes Jesus would pull away. He would leave the accolades of people just to spend some time with his father. Why? Because our ultimate reward is not a certificate. It's not a trophy. It's not a medal. Our ultimate reward is to hear this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's our reward. We're not looking for the applause of people. We're following Jesus, knowing that one day we will receive a reward far greater than anything anyone on this earth could give us. Listen, I have no idea what's going to happen when, when this life is over for you. But I do know that for most people, all the certificates, all the rewards, all those things that they've accumulated through life where people were clapping for them, for the great things they'd done, typically they end up in a cardboard box in the corner of an attic or a basement. Doesn't last. Doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that we should not do things that will inevitably get noticed. What I am saying is we shouldn't do things in order to be noticed. The, Jesus talked about this with the Pharisees all the, time, all the time. He said, listen, you fast, but when you fast, you don't take a bath and you don't comb your hair. You don't do anything. Why? Because you want people to know you're fasting. When you pray. You go out in the street and you pray so everybody can hear you. You pray these big old long righteous sounding prayers so that everybody can hear them and go, wow, that person knows how to pray. You do things in order to be noticed, Jesus says. And if you do those things to get noticed here on earth, you've got your reward. But there's a reward for those who serve and don't get noticed, who change dirty diapers in the church nursery. who fix the food and put it out on a Sunday morning, who leave their comfortable Thanksgiving celebration to go help out in a soup kitchen or, or, or to deliver a, a meal to someone who doesn't have a need. The list can be endless. But there's no applause. And quite frankly, sometimes there's not even a thank you. That's not why we do it. We do it because we were made for this. We were created in order to be ministers. We were shaped like this so that we might serve others. And quite frankly, you have a giftedness that I don't even have. And how you use it to serve others could look completely different than anybody else in this room. And yet... 
your shape to serve. And there's no expiration date. I've told you this before, but it, it's one of the greatest examples I can find. Because my grandmother got older and older and older. That happens, right? And as she got older, there was less and less that she felt like she could do. And yet, this one thing she did do, she got the prayer list from my church and her church and a couple other churches, and she would write cards telling people she was thinking of and praying for them and send those off every single week without fail. It got so bad that we were having to, every birthday and every Christmas, we would be getting her, buying her big stacks of get well cards and stamps so that she wouldn't spend all of her money on, on this, these get well cards. She couldn't do what she once did, but she did what she could do. And quite frankly, that's all God's calling any of us to do, what we can do. To serve and so listen here, here's what I want to do on your on your form on the the handout are there three blanks here at the bottom this is your homework yes that's right you get homework I want you to find out how I want you to figure out I want you to pray about it and then I want to write you to write in each of these blanks one thing you can do for instance I can serve my family by find one thing you can put in there how can i serve my family put that in the blank i can serve my church family by put that in the blank what what can you do you go well listen isn't everything isn't everybody already doing everything and the answer to that is no there, there are numerous ways that you can serve some inside some outside the walls but there are all kinds of ways you can serve i can serve my community by and then fill out that blank what is it that you can do in order to serve your community and here's a cool thing because we're all at different points in life because we all had different gifts from god and different resources available your blanks aren't going to look like anybody else's and that's pretty cool because god made each of us in a unique way and has put us in a unique situation so that what we bring to the table may not be what he's bringing or she's bringing or they're bringing but it all fits together. And we do it not in order for people to say, look how great that person is, or look how great Grace Fellowship is. I mean, it's nice to hear those things, right? But that's not why we do it. That's not our heart's motivation. Our heart's motivation is, listen, Jesus was willing to get up from the table and to wash the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples when no one else at the table was willing to humble themselves to do it even though it needed to be done. Even though he was the very son of God himself. And he said, this is the example for you to follow. This is what I'm calling you to. To roll up your sleeves, to wrap a towel around your waist, to get on your knees, and to serve, however that looks in your life. When we do this, we may not get applause. Not here. No one may notice us. And in fact, some people may laugh at us. But there's a God who sees. 
And he knows not only our act, he knows our heart behind that act. And he stands ready to reward us in a way that's far beyond anything that we could ever receive here. Where does it begin? For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it begins by simply following. Whatever the Lord brings into your path, look for opportunities to serve. Most of us run from opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to serve. As children of God, as followers of Jesus, look for opportunities to serve. But maybe some of you aren't there yet. Maybe you don't have Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. Maybe you've not taken that step to follow Him initially. And today may be that opportunity, that time for you to take that step and say, Jesus, I need, I need to let go. I need to reorder my world and put you at the center. I need to quit following my own path and begin following you. And if you need to do that, there is no better day than today to do it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this, this word, how it challenges us and encourages us at the same time, but also brings conviction to us. And Lord, we thank you that you have a purpose for us and that you have called us to, to serve and to minister to people in Jesus' name. And, and Lord, we want to do that. And so we ask that you'd open our eyes to the opportunities and give us a heart that follows that. But Lord, I want to pray for those who are here this morning who do not yet know Jesus as Savior. And maybe, Lord, it's a hard thing for them today to, to say, am I to ask a Jesus into my life who's going to disturb my world and disturb the order that I've created? And the answer to that is yes. Because in reality, we've not created order. We live in rebellion. Our world is in disorder, disarray. And we need you, Lord, to come in and set it right. To give us a new mind and a new heart and a new life. So that we don't do the things that we do in order to impress you but we do them simply as an act of love for you. And so, Lord, I would pray that if there is someone here today who does not know your son as Savior, that your conviction would be on her, would be on him, and that your spirit would draw that man, that woman to you today so that they may too become your child and begin to follow your son. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to do, we simply say yes, and we leave the results to you. For we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.